you know, I'm here to actually change people's hearts, minds, and souls because that's what we need. Here in America, here in this country, at one of our most divided states that we're in, I have to be conscious and, 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 and awoke and know that I'm going to change something. I'm going to be the one that changed my life, and I'm going to continue to be that person that is able to speak for those that don't know how to speak. Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. Prisoners are beginning to respond to the insurrection occurring outside the prison walls. After all, the violence exercised by police outside is mirrored by the violence wielded by guards inside. A prisoner in the Lane County, Oregon jail reported this, quote, the officers rushed into my section last night and removed two guys and locked them down for chanting, I can't breathe. When inmates told officers they were violating our right to free speech, they replied, you have no rights, unquote. We received the following update from a prisoner inside Stateville, a facility in Illinois, where yard time remains canceled despite a lack of other, more important preventative measures. Here are his words, quote, As far as testing, the National Guard does temperature and oxygen level testing twice a day. There's hardly any COVID-19 testing. Now they will only test for COVID-19 if you feel sick or if your cellmate tests positive. There's no regular testing. If someone feels sick and tests positive, they will only test the celly, not next door neighbors, nor workers, nor do they do contact tracing. Everyone is lax now, and a lot of staff won't wear masks. We now share a letter sent to us from someone currently incarcerated at Pendleton Correctional Facility here in Indiana. Let me start by saying thank you for caring about us. First, let me tell you what is not going to make the news. We had inmates sleeping in the gym isolation because of a staff person was positive for COVID-19. The prison ran out of places to put people. The assistant superintendent, Regal, had all the phones and tablets turned off. Then he had four men and one woman go to the gym and tell most of the blacks that they were going to have to move again, this time to a place that had inmates that were positive for COVID-19. The blacks were not going for it and got to trying to kill all the staff. Every one of the staff was taken out of the gym with their heads opened up, about to die had to go to the hospital outside. It was so bad they did not think they were going to make it. Now to the spread of COVID-19. I had to put in grievance after grievance to make the facility make staff wear masks and gloves. That was on April 5th, 2020. I had to save the video just to get them to put up a sign. We don't get anything when we're on lockdown and we went on lockdown on April 15th over a fight and have not come off. I'm sounding the alarm. We are on top of one another no matter what you do. The lack of sanitary supplies, it's watered down now. The facility is passing out a bar of soap a week. Growing cases continue to put pressure on this facility. I would hope that we are all in the same battle here and that this is to stop the spread of the virus. I'm over there cleaning an H cell house with the help of the only person that I feel cares. She has been the only person that has got me what I need to clean this cell house, LTK Simone. The only thing I can't get the prison to do is to stop making people take showers that have not been cleaned. 
They don't feel like walking up and down the steps, so they take them to the other side that takes showers in the day and make the ones that take showers in the day use the showers that were used at night that have not been cleaned. To me, the part of this I don't understand is why the prison is moving people around. I put in all this cleaning for them to move a person from G-Cell House, and he was positive, and now I'm on quarantine until May 10th. I'm 58 years old and doing 255 years. I'm more scared of COVID-19 than I was when I was going to court to get all this time. Up next, we have a short PSA from our friends in the Channel Zero Network, who share best practices if you go out into the streets to protest. As protests heat up, the Channel Zero Network has some reminders on how to stay safe while out in the streets. Bring buddies and don't let them out of the range of your voice. Write a legal aid number on your body so you can get help if you get arrested. Be sure to know your buddies' legal names and birthdays. You'll need these to help find them if they're arrested. When moving around, walk, don't run. Stick together. Turn off your phone while out in the streets to avoid surveillance of your location and so as not to have your unlocked phone taken by the authorities or other bad actors. Try your best not to stick out in a crowd. Cover up tattoos with clothing or body paint. Cops will use footage from the protest to try to identify you. Wear clothes that are good for moving quickly. Avoid wearing jewelry and wear closed-toed shoes. Wear your mask at all times, even if you're talking to someone, in order to guard yourself against surveillance, COVID-19, pepper spray, and tear gas. Avoid wearing contact lenses. Bring goggles of some kind in case of tear gas or pepper spray. Consider wearing bike helmets as police often cause head injuries with batons and other weapons. Don't take photos or videos of people doing anything illegal or with their faces uncovered. Whenever possible, film the cops, not the protesters. Only put water in your eyes. Don't use milk or baking soda or anything else. Clean water is the safest thing to use at a protest. If possible, bring a water bottle to drink from and a water bottle to flush out the eyes of any comrades who are maced or tear gassed. And white comrades are encouraged to follow the lead of black and brown comrades as they bear the brunt of state brutality. Follow Unicorn Riot and Channel Zero Network member It's Going Down for ongoing updates. The Channel Zero Network sends you all solidarity. Stay safe out there and never stop fighting for a better world. Peace and blessings. This is Comrade Malik reporting in from behind enemy lines at the Federal Penitentiary at USP Pola in Louisiana. I'm sure y'all have been observing the news. There is a war on black men in America, from Central Park Karen in New York to the mom who drowned her autistic son in Florida. Who do they label the perpetrator of those crimes? Who is the usual suspect? The black man did it. In 2020, we still ain't free. I ain't one of those house Negroes y'all done bought. It's me, Comrade Malik, a servant of the people. Police in Minneapolis killed George Floyd. We all see it on national TV. Yet we have to plead and beg for justice. You call that free? Oh, say, can you see? I don't feel like I'm free. Locked down in a cell, shackled from ankles to feet. Another day in the pen. Guess I'll hang from a string. Oh, the oppressors would love it if I hung it up. But I ain't going to do that. Ahmaud Arbery murdered by vigilantes in Brunswick, Georgia. And now our brother George Floyd, murdered by the police in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A close friend recently said that I shouldn't mix anger with my messages. They said that you give the oppressors power when you talk about them. 
I don't agree with that line of thinking. There is something horribly wrong happening right now in America. We don't see images of young white men being pinned to the ground by police with knees pressed on their necks. The young white man screaming, I can't breathe, help me. We don't see that on TV. Why do police in America feel as if it is okay to abuse, mistreat, and torture black citizens in America? This is a pervasive and systemic problem. And we can't allow the victimizers to tell us what justice should look like. The Minneapolis Police Department fired the police who were involved in the murder of George Floyd. That ain't enough. These police should be tried for murder. They must be tried for their crime against humanity. We should never be allowed to allow law enforcement to do this to us again. However, even if they are tried and sent to prison, that will not solve our problem, which is white supremacy, racism, and police brutality against black men in America. As each day passes, I am drawn closer to anarchism. And it is our belief as anarchists that we the people must abolish police departments. To some, this abolition of the police may sound like a radical ideal. But please, for one minute, look at things from my perspective. Ingrained in my memory is over 12 years of abuse and torture at the hands of employees of the Texas Department of Criminal Injustice. Ingrained in my memory are the systematic and systemic murders and executions of literally hundreds of unarmed black men and people of color by law enforcement in America. Ingrained in my memory is the children in the state of Texas thrown into cages by ICE and Border Control agents. And ingrained in my memory is the bloody stain and legacy of slavery in America. I keep saying that we want free. And like Meat Mill, I ask, what's free? I can tell you now, free is not what we have right now. This is Comrade Malik reporting in from the Federal U.S. Penitentiary of Poland. Dare to struggle, dare to win, all power to the people. At the time of this recording, Comrade Malik had not heard of Breonna Taylor. And we know that there are plenty of sisters that are being cold-bloodedly murdered by police all across this country. We say her name, Breonna Taylor. On June 3rd, Bloomington residents occupied the courthouse square in order to support the movement for black lives. This tent city is just one of hundreds of ways that people across the country are building and fighting for a world beyond the grip of white supremacy and police violence. When we visited on Thursday night, dozens of tents provided shelter and an open mic speak out was underway. We interviewed Abdul Wazi, a Bloomington resident participating in the movement. He was recently released from prison and he reflects on his time inside, his personal growth, commitments to his family, and organizing for a better world, and on the national uprising currently underway. Here he is. When I got arrested in 2012 with my little brother, I was, I was in prison and I was young and I came in, you know, smart, young, energetic, and, you know, I didn't have really, you know, that much family support. So coming in, I kind of got lost in the sauce and I began to develop, you know what I mean, people that, you know, I liked and I gravitated towards and I began to actually, you know, get adjusted to prison, but my experience you know what I mean, in prison was a lot of fighting. It was uh, uh, the lack of a mental and emotional support. And while I was in there, focusing one instead of trouble, getting in time, getting in time cuts and getting up out of there, 
You know, my experience with prison, I've always been spiritual, you know what I mean? Believing in God, you know, and, and actually staying out the way, you know what I mean? Preventing myself from getting in, you know, harm's way when it comes to losing more time and being away from my brothers and sisters. You know, I'm the oldest out of three little brothers and a baby sister. Coming from New Albany, you know, I um, was in prison and I, I, I seen a lot, you know what I mean? And I actually was able to be real observant, you know, of what I was around. And during my time in prison, I read a little bit, I wrote, and that's what helped me, you know what I mean, cope through things by writing individuals, even though I didn't get that response back consistently like I wanted to, and when I did get it, it wasn't what, you know, was really going to help me when it comes to, and that individual, when it came to writing and staying in touch with people, but I was able to meet, you know, people who actually have, have, have been criminalized and, and, and ruled unjustly. So, you know, that affected me, you know what I mean? I paid attention to one's cases and I actually seen individuals who was able to, you know, help individuals with their cases and I was able to work out, you know what I mean, good. And I was able to have a little hustle for myself during that time, you know, being in prison. And I also seen a lot that I wanted when it come to visits, I didn't get that. The whole seven years, I didn't get not one visit. While I was in prison, I actually was able to, 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 to grow, you know, as a young man and, to, and, and my intellect and know who I was as a young man. So, you know, um, as I was there, I kind of didn't care, you know what I mean, about being like that when I did get in trouble. I cared, but when they take time from you, you begin to just, you know, be like, okay, you know what? Well, it'll be all right. And I mean, when you don't have that love and whatnot and support, you have to find self-love, you know what I mean? And you got to put God first and trust in him, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I did, you know, off and on. You know, being ADHD, having ADHD, um, I've never really been properly diagnosed or been on a, no medication, but I've seen ones heavily medicated, how it affected them. From coming from CIC to Wabash, I realized how real it was when I seen ones that were so heavily medicated from the time that they had that they was actually paralyzed and stuck mentally and stagnated, and they was lethargic, where they, they, they you know, they wasn't able to actually function properly like a human being they was considered they was like a robotic type of machine machinery type of object and that's how i knew that prison was real you know what i mean this and this is where i didn't want to be individuals that was my age catching cases getting 25 years 40 years 58 years that's what woke me up that was you know I mean, my experience when i was in prison where i was like you know what this life is not for me you know what i mean and my father was locked up my mother's father was locked up experiencing death after death after death family members dying you know what i mean and not being able to stay in contact with my family my brothers and sisters and my mother throughout the time how you know time went on that was something that really affected me but i motivated myself through so much with just being who i was a free spirited type of individual I've, i was always who is you you know what i mean i was let me i need to know who i'm around and coming out of prison you know, I ended up meeting and um, converting over to Islam, which one is one of the best things that happened to me. You know, and that's when I found my Muslim brother, Kalfani Malik Khaldun, and he was able to introduce me to activism because I've always been different and unique and always into things that was going to better me and those that was around me. So what I did was I began to engage myself in political studies. I actually engaged in self-anger management classes because anger management is, I mean, anger problems is what I've suffered from. So I've, I've been able to, you know, know that life is what you make it out here, out in prison and life itself. And I was able to write. I was able to really 
motivate ones, the youth, individuals that I would come across. I'm always talking to them. I'm always letting them know that you can do better. And this is what I'm going through. And I, I, I made it out of prison. I feel good. Coming out of prison, you know, I didn't even want to come to my mother because what I felt in my spirit from her not really being there for me, you know, because she had things that she went through and whatnot. I wanted to come to Bloomington because there was a spot that was open for me. Due to the coronavirus, I was so shocked to see that there wasn't people after after being locked up for seven years. There wasn't people that was actually in and out running, you know, in the stores and whatnot. And it was like a ghost town. It was kind of scary. And, and it was my, my family when I got out of prison and, and, and I, I walked out of them gates. I wanted to kiss the ground. You know what I mean? And. I didn't get to hug my family, but I hugged one of my extended family members. And, you know, I even felt him shake. I mean, you know, because he was kind of jittery and worried about the situation. But I got in the car with him and I met my family the next day. And they put me in a position where they showed me that, you know what, we have a hotel for you. And, you know, they just let me, you know, um, know that here's a little money in your pocket. And I met with my family. But coming, you know, home to my mother, you know, it, it, it's like I seen from Biggie when he first came home. You know, the moving the towards B.I.G., he came home and he hugged his mama after so long. I just, I felt my mother's strength from how weak she was and everything that she's been through. You know what I mean? That's what affected me. You know what I mean? And I, I just was able to take life and see such a transformation, you know, that it astounded me in a way. And I was just like, man, I'm glad I'm free, though. You know, and I, 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 I seen some of my brothers that, one of my brothers got locked up. He did the same amount of time as me. And he got locked right back up. I couldn't even get to see him. I tried to save him before I got out because I involved myself in something positive, something conducive to the community, something that was about a change, something that was about a real life, something that was about humanity. You know what I mean? And, and I was able to really like feel good. And I went through some pain. I went through some suffering, you know, when it comes to not being around my family members for so long. But I was able to know that I'm out here. I'm going to get a job, I'm going to handle responsibilities, and I'm going to be a young man out here. I'm going to stand ten toes flat to stay active when it comes to working out and just enjoying life at its best, you know. And um, I, I came to Bloomington, and it's beautiful down here. The college students, just this experience and this whole totality, it's lovely because I'm living my best life now. I can honestly say that and shed tears at times to know that I don't have to worry about those traumatizing experiences. I don't have to worry and see ones that is so disabled because of their health problems from being locked up for so long. I don't have to worry about ones that was heavily gangbanging, that targeted ones that was a neutron. You know, I, I could be around my Muslim brothers and sisters, you know, and I can actually educate myself and be something successful, something that I've always wanted to be, you know. So, and I didn't finish high school. You know, and, and, and now that I got an opportunity, you know, it feel good coming out of prison because I can actually engage in something that is going to change my life and it change people's hearts, minds and souls. Coming out of prison is beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful feeling because some people don't have a home to make it to and go out to. And I had that, you know what I mean? And I lost that, but then I still got that. And I was able to be embraced by new individuals where it's kind of weird, but it's 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 heartfelt. It, it, it's it's heart warming and it's, it's it's a blessing because I know I'm blessed and that's the thing too when you recognize you know what I mean who you are and what you have inside of you that's what really makes you live life long and know that you are somebody people they lose hope while they're in prison after so long with not having so no support and whatnot and they actually make something out of nothing but at the same time you know experiencing suicidal thoughts and wanting to just give up 
you know what I mean, time at the time, I had people there that were still there. I had myself, I had my intuition, and I had my faith grounded with God, you know what I mean? And it feels good because I don't have too many worries. You know, you always gonna have to worry about something, but when you put your trust in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, all things is, will, will work out, you know, for your purpose. Coming out, once again, it's, it's definitely been something that I've been able to feel good about because I'm a free man, I'm a free black man, I'm a life that matter. I'm a life that matter and I'm out here and I'll be in touch with brothers that is inside the confines in the enemy lines and I'm there, I'm there for y'all, you know what I mean? So yeah, thank you. You know, it feels good to definitely be out and, and here in Bloomington, you know, compared to a lot of places here in Indiana because Indiana, they got one of the worst laws that, 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 that is in the United States. My thoughts on why I'm here in Bloomington because I'm part of IDLC to help present to help represent those individuals that is behind there and it's to actually be a person that has made it and has been successful. You know, dealing with the Black Lives Matter, all the police brutality, RP Eric Gardner, RP to George Floyd and Brianna Taylor. Those lives that has been taken and with the police brutality, you know, stuff going on. I got locked up when Trayvon Martin first got killed. So all the stuff that has happened, the various organizations, it feels beautiful to see that because life is actually changing and it's working for the better for the air. I mean, considering who we have as a president, you know, I didn't get to experience that Obama presidency. And that's one thing I wish I could have been out for, you know what I mean? Because I've seen her for a well, farewell. And it feels, it feels, it feels, it feels, it's hard. It hurts my soul. And everything that's in me, you know, that is going on because a lot of people aren't educating themselves, us blacks as well, most definitely. I'm going to speak for, with blacks first. We're not educating ourselves as well as we need to, you know, and I'm here for that because I want that. And being out here dealing with, with a predominantly, you know, white college town area, Bloomington don't have a lot of black people in there. I mean, in this town, but I'm one of them. So with that being said, you know, I'm here to actually change people's hearts, minds, and souls because that's what we need. Here in America, here in this country, at one of our most divided states that we're in, I have to be conscious and, 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 and awoke and know that I'm going to change something. I'm going to be the one that changed my life, and I'm going to continue to be that person that is able to speak for those that don't know how to speak. And it, it's so much that is... That, that has been overwhelming because a lot of the stuff is too much for me to take in. But taking small steps and steps in the right direction is what I plan to do. You know, to take my time and whatever it is that I do to take my time, to take my time because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know, being able to have integrity, stand on something and believe in something. That's what it's about. What I've been doing for the past couple of days is I've been participating in protests down here, you know, in the downtown area in Bloomington, and I've been just raising awareness but I've been able to see people that is young, that is not really awoke as well, and is willing to learn, and they're actually here, and they're available. So I'm gonna use some of these youth. I'm gonna use some of them. And I've seen the cops and how they are a little bit. It's different, you know what I'm saying? And I've been able to see that you can actually do what you want down here in Bloomington from a sense. You know, with it being you know a wealthy, you know what I'm saying, town, you can actually, you know what I mean, like as a black man, as a young black man, you can come down here and you can do positive things and you can do the right thing to agitate, educate, and organize. So, 
Like there's there's definitely some things that's gonna change here in Bloomington. I'm gonna be one of those person that changes it. And just knowing that how certain areas is when they push those that is in poverty that don't really have as much and it is not able to really live life at its best. There's different organizations now that help the poor that actually are there for them to, you know, help them with drug addictions, with things that they're going through mentally suffering, you know, and that's going to change. That's going to change because how can you section off certain individuals that is humans just like you are? And when you do, how much of a resource and help and provider are you to actually help them and get them back in the community where it's thriving, where it's alive, where it is actually productive and where it's, 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 it's making everybody in this community where this area is feel like and know that I am somebody and I deserve to live here and I deserve equality. My name is Abdul Mustahab Wasi. I am a 27-year-old black man in black life that matters. I'm out here with my freedom and I love it. I love it so much. You know, it's scary. Certain things are scary to me. But you know what, though? It's okay, though, because ain't nothing wrong with being scared a little bit. It's all about what you do with what it is that's wrong with you. Your secret is your secret. Your sick is your secret. So I want people to know that, you know, I come from a family that is small on my mother's side of the family. And we've been down here in Indiana coming from Akron, Ohio. We've been down here and we've been living. We've been a family that has been stagnated we've been out here and my, my brothers i'm the oldest out of three little brothers and a baby sister i want people to know that i'm I'm a, I'm a i'm a person that is a believer in allah and and, and islam so i plan to continue to in, 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 enhance my faith and grow with my faith i plan to make my intentions pure and i plan to continue to write and and further myself in political education and i plan to actually be somebody out here Reach out to me. Take the time to, you know, um, hit me up on social media, whatever it may be, because I'm here. I need to be engaged and I need to continue to know what it is that, that needs to be changed, what it is that needs to be fixed and what is broken out here. There's a saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I believe in that to a certain extent. I want you guys to know my name is Myron Walker and I am a young man who is out here sincerely wanting to better myself and to put one foot forward. And I want to know that all those that has lost hope, that is going through a struggle out there, I've been through the struggle. I may not have been through the struggle how you've been through the struggle, but some days I'm humble, some days I struggle, but every day I hustle. So with that being said, all power to the people. As-salamu alaykum, what I come into a live, with better kind You know, y'all keep your heads up out there. Keep y'all happy up and continue to make a better way for yourself. Please keep sharing the number for our coronavirus hotline. We'll continue to air messages from prisoners who call in from the inside and family members calling in for support for their loved ones. You can call in on behalf of a loved one or they can call in to record their message about the impact of the coronavirus on their facility at 765-343-6236. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. 
You can hear previous episodes of our show at wfhb.org forward slash KiteLine. For more information on the stories we air on KiteLine, check out kitelineradio.noblogs.org. If you or someone you care about has been affected by the prison system, you can call us to be interviewed or to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512. We also want your feedback and to share your story. Feel free to write us at kiteline at wfhb.org. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. If you want to support our work, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash show. Any funds raised beyond operating costs will be sent to folks on the inside. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Please join us every Friday for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.